0: And welcome to the EFL preview with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. For the first time this season, we haven't had much midweek football for us to talk about, which means we'll have plenty of focus going into game week threes. Uh, All the exciting fixtures are taking place. So exciting in fourth that it's in fact game week four. For many, we've already had some uh, of game weeks played, so we're probably about three or four games into the season. Not enough to really say who's been particularly good or even particularly poorly. But throughout this, we will be hoping to analyse as many teams as we possibly can. That's not to say, though, that we haven't had some matches take place this midweek. For some reason, we've had four games from the Papa John's Trophy. Now, for those that don't remember, this is the lower leagues uh, football uh, main competition uh, that's limited just to League One and League Two clubs, plus a select Premier League under-21 sides. It was previously, uh, for those of a similar vintage to myself, the Johnson Paint Pot Trophy. We have got four games for us to talk about then, and we will cover those in some detail, namely because one of them's got a particularly strong uh, link to a former Glover. The, te- the uh, first match we'll start with, though, is not one of those, as we will take a look at the southern section and we look at Swindon Town 2, Arsenal Under-21s 2, with Arsenal winning on penalties. A fairly decent uh, first half for Swindon, who have had plenty of problems off the field over the last couple of weeks, mainly due to some uh, suspicious debts that have appeared within the club, that have then called the chairman to explain why there are unsur- surprising shareholders running Swindon. that all a little bit shady, but seem to have all been cleared up. And it hasn't seemed to have affected really the play that Swindon have had this season, given that they find themselves squarely in mid-table in 13th after three games. Going into the Papa John's, they did rather well. They managed to convince Rule Waters to score an own goal for Arsenal after only six minutes, although that was immediately cancelled out by Lino Souza for the Gunners. Tyreek had got the second for Swindon, making it 2-1 going into half-time, and largely did very, very well, until unfortunately conceding to Jimmy Gower in the 82nd minute. That, of course, immediately sent it to penalties, as that is the way of the Papa John's Trophy. Uh, In this weird group stage start point, there isn't uh, any existence of a draw. It immediately goes to a penalty shootout. With that, though, Arsenal winning 5-4 on penalties, with unfortunately Ben Ward missing the fourth spot kick for Swindon to see the Gunners take two points. Stockport County won. Manchester United under-21s won. Well, plenty of excitement here. Um, Largely in control were Man United under-21s. In the first half, there were no goals. What we did see are plenty of yellow cards. Stockport would go on to go and pick up something close to, I've lost the number now, seven yellow cards during this game, including a second yellow for a red card for Ryan Crosdale. That being said, Jordan Hugill got the goal in the 64th minute, originally missing his penalty, uh, which was caused by a foul from Adam Wright. Akil Wright, sorry. he um, Jordan Hugill missed his opening penalty, but managed to score the rebound. And in the 13th minute of added time, Isaac Alofe got the penalty. Uh, the the equaliser in the 13th minute, and that of course immediately took it to penalties. Ryan Rydell missing the third penalty spot kick, and because Man United went first and scored all five of those, they would go on to win 5-3 on penalties. We then move on to the first interview of tonight, and that is focusing on the Walsall versus Brighton under 21s game. Now, that finished t- uh, 3-2 in normal time, uh, 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 Andrew Morin getting two goals in the first half for Brighton, a very exciting young talent from the Republic of Ireland. One goal for Walsall through Oshin McKenty. Unfortunately, a third goal for Brighton was not actually scored by Brighton's players themselves, and it was another own goal through Liam Gordon. However, in the 86th minute for Warsaw, former Glover's favourite Tom Knowles picking up with a goal, his first goal of the season. And because I've already mentioned we'll have plenty of interviews tonight, let's listen to him now
1: you whilst it's defeat this evening, a, a comeback for yourself and a goal on your return? Yeah, no, it's obviously a disappointing result at the end of the day.
2: Um, but happy to get a goal and, and be on the score sheet on the return. Um, obviously, we want to keep clean sheets because um, going forward, I think we've been, been very
1: good. We've always scored goals. Um, but yeah, it's just a matter of fact of keeping the ball out of our net now. That seems to be the one thing that obviously a lot of supporters are probably going to pick up on, the amount of goals that have been conceded. But... Going forward it do look like a real threat as well and it's just hopefully, you know, fine tuning that detail in the other end in our other box and hopefully that then means we can go on and get more points. Yeah, no, definitely, because you know, we keep a clean sheet, then
2: you know, we're gonna pick points up out of the game. Um, and with our strike force and the chances that we have been creating, you know, we're always gonna score goals. Um, so yeah, it's just a matter of fact of tightening up at the back, cutting out the mistakes and, and keep doing our thing going forward.
1: How frustrating has it been for you personally to still be in and around the group but not be able to necessarily influence it on the pitch at the moment because of the injury?
2: Yeah, no, it's, it's been a frustrating few weeks but you know I've, I've been working hard and probably been a bit of pain in the backside to get back on the pitch as soon as I can but you know, I'm, I'm thankful that <clears throat> I'm touchwood over everything now um, and I can look forward to the rest of the season.
1: How key is it to listen to the medical advice that's been given to you? How much I know you want to get back out there, but listening to it and not pushing yourself too much and and biding your time to get it right, then will hopefully prolong your season as well.
2: Yeah, no, it's it's massively important and and like I said, I've probably been one of the worst people to work with because every day I'm asking what more can I do, what more can I do. But, you know, like I say, they've been brilliant with me. I've had to be patient, but, you know, it makes it all that bit sweeter when, when I get get on the score sheet my first game back but you know we want to win these games you know it's it's annoying when, when we don't win because you, we have to get that winning habit into us and, and these games are perfect for that is doing a professional job and, and winning the game but you know we, we didn't do that tonight so we have to look forward to Saturday now to put it right
1: one of your best mates mm. off the pitch as well as sort of come into the fray and in your sort of role as well. But Joe, folks, he's been fantastic as well in that competition for places. He's probably healthy for you guys as well.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, Like you say, folks, he's one of my best mates off the pitch and, you know, I've tried to help him and he's tried to help me as much as he can whilst, you know, he's been playing and, and I've been on the side because, you know, I can give him a different angle of what I can see from where I'm sat. Um, but yeah, he's he's obviously more naturally a defender. So I've been trying to learn his positions, how he defends 1v1, because that's an area of my game that I want to improve. And anything that I can help him with going forward, then, you know, it, like I say, it's healthy. We want to push each other. Um, and obviously I, I've got to work 10 times harder now to get back in the team because he's been excellent since he's come in.
1: On a final note from me, you've been in... The away end, you've had a couple of different roles over the last couple of games, but that I suppose for you as a player is extremely healthy because you can see exactly what it means to the supporters who've travelled away and are here at home. That can only help improve your relationship as well with the fans.
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, I get a feeling of when it's not going well or when it is going well, how the fans are feeling. So I, I can sort of it's, it's a bit like doing a bit of homework. Really, I've been learning how how they feed off what goes on in the pitch and, you know, like I said, hopefully that's help uh, healthy and, and builds a good relationship with the fans because I wanted to stay in and around the team and, you know, see it from all different angles just to get a see if that can help my game and see if I can help the lads as well. So um yeah, it's been it's been frustrating, but I've learned so much from it.
0: Always nice to hear from former Glover's players. Do wish him a very good season for Warsaw. The final John's trophy game that took place on Tuesday night finished between Portsmouth and Fulham 3 all. The scoring was opened by Fulham for Chris Donnell, a 19-year-old Australian, but immediately was replaced with two goals. Well, in fact, he scored in the first minute. Sean Raggett getting a goal in the 17th, and unsurprisingly, a bullet header, because that's all Sean Raggett knows. The second goal was Terry Devlin in the 28th minute. Then Marshall Godot got a second for Fulham to make it two all going into half time, but that wasn’t before uh, Georgios Okos managed to get a second yellow card and was sent off on the stroke of half time. In the 51st minute, Sean Raggett scored again for Portsmouth to make them a very convincing 3-2 win at the time. But unfortunately, in the 75th minute, Delano McCoy splat, which might be one of the coolest names I've seen in football this year, getting the third goal for Portsmouth. Fulham that of course sent everything to penalties as we seem to expect now now this one was a little bit harder as this actually went to sudden death it would be the fact that Fulham would end up losing through unfortunately a Devon Tanton penalty miss in the sixth one and was followed up by Jack Sparks scoring his uh resulting spot kick to see all two points go to Portsmouth to hear a little bit more about the game in detail let's listen to Portsmouth boss John Massimo well, John, how do you assess that overall night of work? Great in terms of entertainment, I think, for everybody that
3: um, they paid their money to be here tonight and to see the penalty shootout, I think it's always great for fans. Ultimately, we came away with the bonus point and, I'm um, you know, could be pleased with that. But overall, I think the the, the feeling for, for me and certainly for the staff is one of disappointment. I thought we should have really put the game to bed and some of the things we did in the second half, I thought we were really poor and, um, you know, barely deserved to, to draw the game. Uh, so... I think there's a lot to learn from that and I think we have to be much, much better in terms of performance. Particularly could have improved on the first half. What did you say at half time? I actually thought we were really good in the first half and um, i know we conceded a a goal very very early on so we had a sort of a mad minute at the front end and a mad minute at the back end in between that i thought we were excellent we created a lot of chances we controlled the game we pressed them really really well and i didn't see enough of that in the second half particularly the way that we pressed we pressed 11 men a lot better than we pressed 10 and um, i'm not entirely sure why that happened but it looked like um from the sidelines that we just went at uh, we lost a bit of aggression and yeah, didn't necessarily do what we, we'd set out to do. So yeah, we, we were looking to sort of build upon that good performance first half and, and I don't think we necessarily took advantage of that. Rags with a brace. Do you know where he plucked that second one out of? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that, that came from nowhere. I, I mean, it doesn't shock me because Rags is a, a decent enough finisher. Um, I suppose scoring from 40 yards and putting it in the top corner, I think everybody... Um, <laughs> You know, everybody was probably slightly surprised, but um, yeah, you know, it was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant that he, he got his brace and, and he, he scored the second goal. Uh, I guess the unfortunate side of that is that we had to rely on our centre half to put one in the top corner from 40 yards when we just had, you know, we had enough chance, chances to win many, many games. But I didn't think we were quite well. I know we weren't clinical enough, and I think that spilled into the rest of our game in the second half. That was the most disappointing thing. Terry Devlin getting a, a goal on his first and outing as well. He must be really pleased for him. Yeah, I mean, no, those are the sort of goals that we like to, to see Terry score. Arriving in the box, brilliant header, brilliant cross. Um, yeah, and that's what he's got to do really to push himself into the, into the fold. Is he's got to keep uh, contributing uh, with assists, with goals and his overall performance as well. And The penalty shootout tonight, that must be sort of good for, for practice for further on in the season should they come up again. Yeah, I think it's good for a number of reasons. You've got to have a lot of bottle to go and take a penalty, first of all, regardless of what competition it's in, because, um, yeah, it just, it, you know, it takes a, I mean, having having done it myself, I know what it's like. It's Even when you're in um, these areas, these competitions, it's still a tough thing and you don't want to let your teammates down. So, you know, fair play to the lads that stepped up and, and took them and, and really pleased for Ryan that he got the winning save. And back to league action, obviously this weekend. Is, have tonight given you sort of any selection headaches at all? Uh, not as many as I'd like to have had. I think. I think the uh, post forest green. I had a, a real, you know, tough time in terms of selecting the. Uh, the, the the side for the league game uh, the following Saturday. Um, I think if the, if the lads had come away, regardless, 2 all at half time, that, that was absolutely fine. But I think they really should have put the game away in the second half. Um, and I think if we'd come away winning sort of 5 6 2, I think that would have given me some real selection headaches. Unfortunately, we didn't. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's still some. It's, it's not like we, you know, we've got to chuck the baby out with the bathwater. And there's still some really good positive performances in there. But some I thought were
0: just a bit more disappointing than others. So that's four games already covered, but we've actually got plenty of Papa John's Trophy fixtures coming up over the next few weeks. Next week, we'll be able to cover MK Dons versus Chelsea under-21s and Grimsby taking on the youth team of Manchester City. We then see the first full weekend where pretty much everyone else plays on the 5th of September. And then we've got some dotted in and around September, very much like we did last year.
3: When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit ChalmersAccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation.
4: Visit our website www.ajwakely.com for more information or call Clive Wakeley on 01935 479913.
0: Now, what we're going to do now is just a little bit different now, as of course, we're into the final 10 days of the summer transfer window and across the EFL. Plenty of exciting transfers have taken place. What I wanted to do was just have a quick conversation about some of the potentially really exciting signings that have taken place this week. In fact, on the days that we been recording this, which of course is the day before this uh, programme goes out, we've even had plenty of exciting players there. Kieran Phillips has got a, un- a undisclosed move from Huddersfield to Shrewsbury. Those of us that uh, follow Morecambe and Exeter over the last couple of years will remember that he has been a pretty prolific signing uh, striker in the EFL over the last couple of years. All the best to him. Brandon Williams, who will remember Kieran McKenna as his youth team coach at Manchester United, has actually now joined him at the Tractor Boys Club on for the season. Intriguingly, he was on loan at Norwich City last year, so a little bit of crossing the divide there. What took place yesterday, one of my quietly favourite players in League One last year, Chem Campbell, has actually gone to Charlton Athletic on loan from Wolverhampton Wanderers. It was very, very impressive for Wickham last year. One of the standout performers for Middlesbrough last year was the two loan signings of Cameron Archer and Aaron Ramsey. No, not that one. Uh, as they really pushed Middlesbrough and Michael Carrick all the way to the playoff semi-finals. Well, Aaron Ramsey is now able to show his talents in the Premier League, but not for Aston Villa. He's changing his Clarence Blue for a slightly different badge as he has sealed a £12 pounds move to Burnley. Clearly must have impressed uh, Vince and company when they played them this time last year. One, of one signing I'm particularly surprised by is actually the loan signing from Nigel Pearson's Bristol City, as they've brought in uh, on loan Taylor Gardner Hickman from West Brom, who I thought was really quite impressive for West Brom, even when they weren't as at their full potential beginning of last season, intrigued to see why he's gone out on loan to a divisional rival. Flynn Downs uh, is on loan from West Ham. Uh, Russell Martin, remember him from when he was at Swansea. He's now gone on loan to Southampton, so it will be exciting to see how he fares. Leeds United have lost another player as they've continued their exodus of players um, following their relegation from the Premier League. As Tyler Adams has now jumped ship and has decided he wants to stay in the Premier League, whether he deserves to or not, unsure, for an undisclosed fee to AFC Bournemouth. Other exciting... um, Teams that took place, Romeo Lavia, of course, we'll have already discussed in the last couple of days, uh, was could have been a crucial part of Southampton returning to the Premier League. We'll now never know, as he sealed a £58 million move to Chelsea, which will do Southampton's uh, FFP calculations the absolute world of good other exciting ones to take place we did mention it quietly this time last week when we were doing the efl preview before and these are two particular uh, signings that i'm most interested in it will be troy deaney moving from birmingham city to forest green following the expiry of his contract he's going in as a player coach role so exciting to see troy deaney take the next step in his career and quietly what i think will be one of the most exciting signings because he has to be because of how excellent he's been over the last couple of years in the Championship, and that is the loan signing of Scott Twine from Burnley to Hull City. Not necessarily a sign that you immediately assumed that Hull would make, but the, uh, the ownership have always said they would back the money, uh, back the Tigers with as much money as they possibly could, even if it isn't quite as much as you might expect from some Championship clubs. I think this is a, quietly an excellent signing and will be able to provide some real dynamism to the Tigers' attack. Best of luck to him, would have liked to see him in the Premier League, but he had so many injuries last year say I'm too surprised. So that's what's particularly the really exciting uh, signings I think that have taken place over the last week. Other ones that you know, we spread into the last couple of weeks before then. Chuba Akpom has now finally left Middlesbrough to Ajax for a £10.5 million bid. I think that's probably uh, for the best. I think he was definitely going to get a bit itchy feet following his decent uh, spell last year. They've already immediately replaced him through uh, one of my other favourite names in the EFL this year, Emmanuel Latilath from Atalanta for an undisclosed fee also uh, for a striker. So very exciting to see how all of these things go. But one signing that we didn't cover, or more specifically, BBC Sports haven't quite put up, is actually the recent unveiling of a loan signing. Now, there's been a lot of speculation about Jay Stansfield over the last couple of months, following his very decent return to Exeter City last year. Uh, we, of uh, of a royal persuasion, will of course have fond memories of his dad, and uh, it's now been far too long, so unfortunately, since his passing. Jay has carried the mantle as being an excellent striker even had calls up to England youth teams uh, in his very short but exciting career so far. And he actually has a new loan move. There was a lot of speculation about him moving to Sunderland this year and joining Tony Mowbray in a very, very young championship side. That actually has not been the case, though. He has had a loan move, and it is to a young side. But this time, it's to Birmingham City. Of course, the allure of potentially having strong connections to a certain Tom Brady will certainly help a young player. But Birmingham, now under new ownership, definitely seem like a club that are going in the right direction. And some of their signings are really indicating that. Jay, of course, is just one of those. So, for our next interview, and because, of course, he has a special connection to those of us in and around Yeovil, let's listen to new Birmingham City signing Jay
5: Stansfield.
6: Thanks for joining us, Jay. A very big welcome to Birmingham City as well. How are you feeling
5: after signing? Yeah, I'm buzzing. Um, It's been a long time coming. I've had, um, well, I've been in contact with a lot of people the last probably three or four weeks um, and I made the decision to come here. I feel like it's a very family club and I just can't wait to get started.
6: And you've already met the lads and the staff today. You've been around the place. How was that for you? How nice was that?
5: Yeah, it was good. I was a little bit nervous coming in um, at the start, but. I know Jordan James from um, my time at England, so having him here is, was made me like be able to speak to him, and he was in, be able to introduce me to the lads and things. So I was, yeah, I, I felt like I fit him well, and hopefully I can go on and get to know him more.
6: Did you have much communication with with the gaffer, especially, and his team before you signed, and what, what did they say to you?
5: Um, yeah, it was sort of a quick a quick turnaround, really. Um, I think I had I had a couple of conversations, and what they said to me was. Well, Obviously, what made me made me sign here, but all they said was praise and things, and it just really encouraged me to get down here as quick as possible.
6: You've come here on a season loan. Uh, what do you hope to get out of your time here at Blues?
5: Yeah, I hope just to develop into a into a better player, um, become stronger, and be able to be able to like keep with the physical demands of the game, um, but also like to come here and help. Help the Blues obviously do as, um, as best as they can do, um, finish as high on the table as possible um, and want to just come here and get as many goals and assists as possible.
6: I believe there were 12 championship clubs after you, so essentially half the league wanted your signature but you've chosen to come here. What was the thought process behind that?
5: Um, I think it's just obviously like a big club and a club that's going on the up. Um, I spoke to the, the gaffer and what he drills into the team and the way he likes to play suits me massively. Um, and it's in the middle of the country, so it's close to London, close to, close to home. Um, I'm quite a big family man, so I like having my family around me, so it's perfect for them to be able to come up and watch watch the games and for me, be able to go home and see them still.
6: Do you feel like it's also quite an exciting time to be at the club considering the signings we've made and all the ownership changes as well?
5: Yeah, massively. The buzz around the club, I've only been here a day, but the, the buzz, the togetherness around the changing room, the whole club seems amazing. I'm just so happy and proud to be part of it.
6: I'm sure you'll remember you scored your first ever senior goal against Blues a couple of years ago in the Carabao Cup, a beauty of a finish as well. How much do you remember about that?
5: Yeah, everything. It was my my debut for Fulham. Um, When the ball came to me, I I can't even remember it properly, but all I know is I just took a touch and had a shot and luckily went top corner um, and could take us into the next round.
6: And you'll be hoping you can get a few like that for us this time then?
5: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, like I said, playing there it's a special atmosphere, and I just can't wait to get out in front of the fans and score as many goals as possible. Thank you very much, Jack. Thank you.
0: Best of luck to him there. Right, let's move on to this weekend's set of fixtures, and we've got plenty for us to get excited, of course, across all three divisions. We will start, as we usually do, with the Championship, and we've got a Friday night game now, which is actually not between teams that usually get too much from a television plaudits. They are Hull City versus Bristol City. Now, of course, we've already mentioned both of them this, uh, this episode already, due to potentially very interesting signings in the form of Taylor Gardner-Hickman for Bristol City and Scott Twine for Hull. Um, I think a relatively even affair and would potentially be a really, really important fixture come season's end, both of them will definitely be pushing for playoffs how realistic that is we, we are yet to see but both of them have done have had fairly decent starts to this season on to the Saturday games, we've got Birmingham City versus Plymouth Argyle, and we will have another interview now. A very much a Birmingham City-centric episode uh, today, not really too sure why, but we would like to hear from Birmingham City boss John Eustace. Now, before I play this next clip, fair warning, uh, the audio on this one hasn't quite turned out as I particularly liked, um, so if you would like to skip on, move on a few minutes, I would completely understand.
6: Thanks for joining us this afternoon. I'll start by asking you for your reflections on the performance of Bristol City. It
7: was an excellent performance, you know, a real collective. You know, the whole squad was used. Uh, the fans were fantastic. It was a really good day.
6: Bakuno played a large portion of that game at right back. Did a very good job as well. Is that an example of the no excuses culture you've got here?
7: Yeah, definitely. I think it's just about the squad. You know, everyone's used, everyone's needed, everyone's throughout the season. You know, it is very, very important. You know, there's no individual... Um, who's better than each other? You know, it, it's about the use of the squad, and you know we needed that squad of players on Saturday, and I thought everyone who who, who played the part were, were magnificent.
6: That's three consecutive clean sheets now. What do you put that down to?
7: It's just hard work on the training field. You know, the boys are taking. Uh, everything on board that we want them to, and you know they're driving the standards themselves, and they're working hard on the train training field. I said you you get the results on a Saturdays from all the work that you do Monday to Friday, and at the moment the, you know the work's paying off.
6: Our last three goals have come from the bench as well. How happy have you been with the attitudes and the way that those lads have come on and changed the games?
7: I think over pre-season we used a lot of players, and um, you know again it's about the squad. Um, the players that we're using they want to play for each other they most most importantly want to play for this football club and they, they'll do whatever it takes and, and whoever's called upon will will sweat blood for the for the cause and um you can see when when we're getting good chances the players are now
6: coming in and, and taking them chances you've played very well without the ball so far this season limited teams to very few chances as well how much preparation how much effort goes into that
7: i've got a hell of a lot, a lot of work you know from all the staff and um from um from Mike, the goalkeeping coach as well, you know, little important details on the opposition goalkeeper. You know, the level of detail that goes into everything we do is very high and um, you know, you can see
6: that coming out. On injury news we saw unfortunately Ethan Led and Dembele both taken off last weekend. How are they doing?
7: Yeah, they're gonna be uh, struggling for the weekend. Um and obviously they're two real big players for us, you know, but again, players that came on you know at important times last year, uh, in the last game and, and backer going into right back filling in there you know it just shows that you know no matter what what comes across us you know we'll get on with it and um, and whoever plays will be ready
6: We also found out that of course Alfie Chang will be sidelined for a long time uh, with an unfortunate knee injury how big of a blow is that for him but not just for him but for the team as well?
7: It's a massive blow. Alfie was pivotal in what we wanted to do last year. You know, he came in at some really important times in some big, big games, and, and was, was brilliant. Um, you know, his attitude around the place is fantastic, and the way he trains, the way he prepares, the way he does everything. You know, is it, uh, full credit to him. It's it's, it's fantastic, and to, to miss him now for a large chunk of the season is going to be a big blow to us. You know, that he's loved around the place. The the lads love him to bits. Um, he's a huge character in the dressing room for such a young boy as well. So he's going to be missed. But what I will say with him, the way he prepares and the way he works, his attitude. You know, he'll be back and he'll be back stronger. And um, you know, he's going to be a massive player for this football club going forward.
6: Bit more positive news. We've seen George Hall and Mark Roberts back out there in training. How pivotal are they going to be going forward?
7: Yeah, these are really important players for the squad. You know, it's about the squad, and we've got two really good players coming back in the squad. Um, so it's going to be good.
6: Plymouth, as well, moving on to them, have had a really good start to the season themselves. Unlucky to lose to Southampton last weekend. What kind of test are they going to provide?
7: Yeah, they're a very good team. steven has got them um, um, really playing some fantastic football. They've got great, great, momentum as well. Obviously, getting promoted last season where they're exceptional. Um, you know that, that group of players have been together there for two or three years, and um, you know we know it's going to be a really difficult challenge for us, but one we'll be ready for.
6: Finally, this will be the fifth straight sellout out crowd for Blues. What does that mean for you and the lads to see the fans backing you the way they are?
7: It's very, very important that the fans, you know, back the team, back the club. You know, the club are on the rise now. They're on the... The, the, the club are heading in the right direction. They've got owners now that really care... Um, you can see all the work that they've been doing around the, the, the stadium, around the training field, you know, the players that we're bringing in as well. So, you know, the atmosphere uh, around the Birmingham City is, is very, very good at the moment and it's
6: only going to get better. Thank you very much, Gaffer.
0: Best of luck to Birmingham there. I do apologise for the audio quality there. Sometimes uh, the clips don't come out quite as I'd like. Uh, We do have another one slightly later as well. But overall, not too bad. And of course, it won't happen again. I know you expect the utmost professionalism here on the EFL preview. Moving to the other games taking place in the Championship this weekend. We've got Cardiff City versus Sheffield Wednesday. A battle of somewhat near the bottom. Coventry taking on Sunderland, which of course was a playoff bout last year. Huddersfield Town taking on Norwich. Ipswich have got Leeds United uh, in a very exciting test there. Leeds United now will be uh, returning with the signing of uh, Wilfred Nonto back as he has decided that he will stay at the clubs. Uh, Probably lined up with the fact that Everton got thumped 5-0 last weekend. He didn't fancy moving to the Toffees anymore. Completely understandable. All players are young, they will make mistakes, and he's come back and apologised, and Daniel Fark has, has accepted that, so that's, that's really, really good for them. Ipswich will, of course, continue to hope that they can push and stay at the top of the table, as they currently are. Millwall taking on Stoke City. Preston have got Swansea City. Rotherham United face Leicester in a relatively short journey for the two teams. Southampton are taking on Queens Park Rangers, and this is where we will have our next interview, and it's a slightly longer one. But we will hear from QPR boss
8: Gareth Ainsworth. Gareth, despite the defeat, you spoke of your pride after last Saturday's performance against Ipswich. How has this week been?
9: Been brilliant. Um, I'm the manager of QPR. We're coming here, and uh, and honestly, since the Tuesday after the Watford game. This place has been a buzz, it really has. And uh, so proud of the boys and the fans for what they are doing at this club. They're, they're doing it, you know. I'm trying to say, right, can we get this going? They're doing it, and it's been brilliant, you know. Um, yeah, we've had one or two knocks. Yeah, we've had a couple of last minute goals against as well one at Norwich, and then second half, sort of sickness against Ipswich Saturday. But still, still people believe, and still the fans were there at the end saying, we know, we know what we're trying to build here. We're proud of this. We know where the club is. We're proud of this. Wow, we got Sinclair firing. We got people like Ryan Colley making appearances, you know, from the development squad. Coupled with the six signings I made, the experienced boys coming in, they're only going to get fitter. This is going to be a good place, believe me. And, uh, and all I want to do now is, is keep working with the boys you know some of these young ones do a lot of individual work trying to educate and trying to trying to show them how good they could be and then these older boys they're in there and they're running the dressing room for me they're they're real winners um yeah excited and what what a chance to go and impress on Saturday as well away at Southampton wow and you know you'd give your right arm to play in this game you know, and I'll tell this to the players you know all the fans who are coming down three thousand plus they'd give anything to be on that pitch with you so give everything you possibly can and uh, and with this structure with this new way of playing listen we might get a whack it's the next premier league team but i'll tell you what i fancy this on saturday i really do i fancy that we could go and upset and uh, i do every single game but more importantly so do the fans and so do the players
8: two away games now before the first international break of the season two tough ones too you mentioned southampton middlesbrough upcoming two what what are your hopes heading into the two games before the break
9: uh well, you know I'd love to get a win out of the two, but I think we can get two wins. I think we can go and beat both of those teams. Um, I, hope, I hope people will say in the press, oh, Ainsworth wants two from two. Yeah, of course I do. I'm the manager. Uh, I believe we can do two from two as well. I've got a great squad. I've got some real good players. It's 11 against 11. You can go out there and if you you perform better than your opposition, you're going to win the game. Um, we can do this. Believe in these players so much. Um, no injuries, no more injuries would be nice. Um, transfer window's coming to an end next week, obviously, and, and again, I want to keep the best players here, keep the best squad I possibly can. But you know, it's football; things happen, and it's a business as well as a, as a sport. But no, I'm, I'm so proud. I'm so proud to be sat here saying all these things about a fantastic football team and a fantastic group of fans that follow us up and down the country. And, it's going to be great, get behind us please, get behind us please on Saturday because what an opportunity to go and achieve something.
8: Just Team, as you mentioned the injuries, Chris Willock, Sam Field, Sinclair Armstrong all, all unfortunately coming off with injury against Ipswich, just an, an update on those three.
9: Yeah, Sinclair, don't worry, he's not injured, he's been training this week, no worries. Uh, Chris Willock and Sam both had a couple of days off, um, and, uh, but I, I'm expecting both to be training today. Um, Sam took a hell of a whack in a, in a typical Samfield tackle, um, and he's he's committed. I'll have him all day. By the way, and Chris, you know his first start under me um, showed exactly what the player can be. You know he's he's unbelievable on the ball. Um, I still want to work with him. Still want to want to get more out of Chris Willock, but um, he's he's a top guy to work with, and uh, and I really I really think he can be a, a really big player this season for us. Um, you know. Both of those, um, I'd say Sinclair came off for cramp, really nothing else. uh, But both of those took knocks. Lyndon very close as well. Um, No, he's desperate to get through the international break. You know, playing England in in that little group, so uh, in that little sort of two weeks, so I'm sure he's he's desperate to play in that one. But um, top top guy as well, Lyndon Dykes. You know, all for the club, Um, lives and breathes this place. You know, he really does, and. He's so frustrated he's not contributing at the moment, but Lyndon's going to play a huge part as well. The only long-term is Jimmy, and he'll, he'll, he'll be watching this gutted that I'm saying this, but Jimmy, you've got to be patient because you've you've uh, you had a hell of a whack. But um, once he gets back as well, wow, we got a good squad because Jake got through uh, 45 minutes in the development squad on Monday, so he's in contention. Uh, yeah, things are looking good. Things are looking up, and uh, I'm excited.
8: You mentioned Jake as my ne- next question, actually. You, you were obviously in the crowd for development squad's midweek win over Coventry. Just how good was it to see Jake back out there?
9: Great, you know, um, good to see Jake, but good to see him taking on this leadership role on the pitch. You know, he's an example to everyone. He's a good player, Jake Clark Salty, and uh, keeping him fit is going to be important for us. Uh, And some of the young boys around him, um, you know, really, really good. Um, They're coming on as well, you know, Stevie Baller getting a hat-trick, you know, was great for him. you know, especially when the manager's there, took his goals really well. And and special mention for Chris Ramsey and Paul Furlong. You know, they're they're taking on what I'm trying to do in the first team, um, and this development side that we're trying to integrate so well into it. They're 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 trying to get these boys ready for when they do make the step. And uh, and I think they've run it fantastically well. And uh, and a deserved win. You know, Mateo Ingo made some crucial saves as well, which was brilliant. He's he's one coming through. So. Yeah, future is quite bright here, it's uh, it's the present that we need to deal with and make sure we get enough points to, to be competitive in this championship starting on Saturday at Southampton.
8: Bringing it back to Saturday, 3,000 QPR fans making the trip to the south coast, you, you must be so keen to match their efforts with another performance to be proud of. Listen, I,
9: in awe of the fans, you know. I know I uh, took a bit of jip last year and, and the Watford game totally entitled, I'm sorry um please please let me off that one but since then i think we've been great i think we really have been great and i'm really hoping that they feel what i'm trying to do here um and trying to build and and what i want to do is when the success comes we've built it we've got that structure behind us that there's no big fall then there's no big drop off there's a success but there's a sustained success there's there's a building block behind it that's what I want to do here. You've got to try and do that in football. I did it. I did it at the last club for so many years, and it was great. And 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 you know, if I can have so many years here again to build something and and leave them in a much better place than when I turned up, that that that'd be the aim, you know. And uh, this this club is 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 brilliant because people think. We're probably a bit of a smaller club now in the Championship, we're not, we're still, a heartbeats, real strong, 3,000 away fans, who will be as loud as the Southampton fans by the way, I'll make sure of that because my team will be up for this and getting them going, um, win-lose-a-draw, get behind these guys because some of those players will need you and I certainly need you and uh, I know what you mean to me, I've played in front of you.
0: I think you can really tell with the way Gareth Ainsworth speaks, he really cares about the club that he's taken on. I know he's synonymous with Wickham Wanderers, but he he was a QPR man as well, and he really is trying extremely hard to turn it around in what is very difficult circumstances. Will it be enough? Of course, only time will tell. The other game taking place on Saturday in the Championship will be Carlos Corberon's West Bromwich Albion versus Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough. Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough will be absolutely desperate for a win as they have not started the season quite how they would have liked. And the lunchtime game on Sunday with a 12 o'clock kickoff in the Championship will be Ishmael uh, Valerian Ishmael's Watford against Yondal Thomasson's Blackburn Rovers. So on to League One then and all fixtures on Saturday at three o'clock, just how the traditionist would like them. We will start with Bristol Rovers versus Wickham Wanderers, a very decent and even affair there. Burton Albion taking on Bolton Wanderers. Bolton Wanderers of course looking as good uh, at the start of this season as they did at the back of last season, up until getting tonked 5-0 last weekend. Is that a blip or will that really send them into a spiral? Who knows? Probably just a blip. They do look particularly excellent and for the sake of my predictions I really do hope so. Cheltenham Town are taking on Northampton and Eamon Dolan uh, uh, effectively uh, memorial match between Exeter City and Reading Uh, a lot of emotions will be going through St James's Park this weekend, good luck to those two teams. Fleetwood taking on Shrewsbury Town Lake Orient have got Cambridge United Lincoln City face Blackpool Oxford United have got uh, Charlton Athletic Paterbury United taking on Derby County. Port Vale have got Carlisle United, uh, a decent uh, affair there. Carlisle definitely returning to League One in not necessarily the same rich vein of form they were in League Two, but that's going to be the case with promotions taking on a very mid-table team from last year. Port Vale will be very interesting for them. Stephen travelled travel to Portsmouth. And finally, probably the most exciting game I think for me in terms of the most even affair between the two teams is the final one. And that is between Wigan Athletic and Barnsley. Now, if you look at the table without looking at the points, you'd go, why on earth would you say these are equal? Of course, Wigan all the way down near the bottom, and Barnsley somewhat near the top. Well, Barnsley were excellent last year under uh, uh, Michael Duff. Of course, he moved on to pastures new uh, in the form of Swansea City, but I really like the signing of Neil Collins as manager, and they've still got some excellent attacking players. Nicky Cadden, Devante Cole, plenty, plenty of goals all available to them. No wonder that, you know, it's little surprise that they managed to get seven past Paul Vale on the opening day. But of course, Wigan, with their uh, points deduction, have had to start slightly further back with a little bit of a handy. Gap. but what they have done is they're still currently unbeaten and if they didn't have the points uh, t- uh p- deduction sorry that's the word i'm looking for they would be up near in the playoffs so a very exciting side under a very exciting manager and that is the form of sean maloney and we'll listen to him now
4: sean uh, i expect there's been a real bouncing in the step this week around camp, given the result on, on saturday
10: yeah yeah i think particularly early in the week you could sense uh yeah, you could still sense the happiness from the, the result, particularly with the players. Staff slightly different. I think um, Like when you have really, uh, really positive or big results like that, I really enjoyed the the moment. I enjoyed seeing the players and the supporters on that day. I think by pretty much Sunday. Yeah, you're on to... Um, because of the difference and the, um, there wasn't a midweek game, I think the those next few days for me was how we've had some really good results, but focus is then how can we we do have to improve in certain areas. So I think that pretty much started on Sunday.
4: Is that the challenge now to, to obviously try and maintain such a high level against Barnsley?
10: Yeah, and I think there's still, I think that's a, there's some really positive things that have come from the start of the season. Uh, we've won games um, when there's still areas of our team, I think can be miles better. Um, I think the players will continue to improve in certain areas as the season goes. But generally as a team, I think, um, I think that's what is exciting, but also, quite motivating is that the some areas of the team we've really improved and, and a lot that's with the players the players have to take credit particularly with the ball we're now um, we're now uh, an aggressive team attacking team um, now we have to be at the same level without the ball and I think there's still huge improvements to do there um, and it's my job to keep everyone's feet on the ground.
4: Barns had such a great start with that one against Port Vale and probably from their own standards dropped off a little bit the last few weeks are we expecting I suppose a response, and equally we know the firepower they do
10: possess. Yeah, they had an amazing start, I think, with the 7-0 to start with. They're a little bit unfortunate in some of the games since. They've got a good team. Uh, I know their manager very well from um, uh, coaching licences in Scotland. Good person, real competitor, Um, Neil. So he'll do a a really good job there. Yeah, they can do lots of things. I've said this about a few teams. If we give them space and we're not uh, at our best without the ball, they can play through us. The longer pass, they've got threats uh, on your last line. So, yeah, it's a it's a it's another test. Every every game we play now, I want us to keep improving out of possession. The first thirty minutes against Bolton was as good as we've been without the ball, and then we had the quality with it. So, um, my challenge for the for the group and for for me um, is to try and sustain that levels out of possession. Because if we if we get that right, then it really gives us a chance to win any game this season. Uh, but of course. On the flip side when we don't get it right any team can hurt us and we've seen that carlisle northampton um, and that's a challenge for me amazing result at the weekend for me it's done um, and it was done maybe earlier than our uh, for me earlier than our supporters or, or our players um, the next one now is, is barnsley and, and the, the upcoming games
4: looking ahead to barnsley does uh jordan jones was on the bench against Bolton? is he got a chance to feature and, and liam shaw has he just missed out but Again, is he fit? Is he ready if, if called upon?
10: Yeah, Jordan was unfortunate. I think um, just with the state of the game, I was, uh, and I'm very aware now of the injury time. We um, we changed our shape in the Bolton game. I was really wanting to get Jordan on the pitch, but we I couldn't manage it tactically. So now another week's training has, has been good for Jordan. So Jordan has to is now pushing to to get minutes on the pitch. Liam is probably similar. He, he didn't have any pre-season, came to us without training at Celtic, he was training on his own. So um, we've really had to be careful building him up. I, I, looking at him now this week, I think we need to get him some minutes. Um, yeah, he's pushing for that 18. We have to we have to really, um, yeah, he's, he's desperate to play. Uh, we just have to find the right time.
4: Uh, Johnny Smith, tell as well, how are both of them progressing?
10: So Johnny Smith joined back training this week, big positive. Um, fully training today really glad to have him back he'll give us something different in those wide areas um uh tello is now nine days i think post injury uh, we'll probably know more in the next five to six days in terms of the time frame we hope it's going to be under the six weeks um but we'll find out in the next uh the next probably yeah five to six days and then then um, hopefully it's less than six weeks
4: do you prefer does it help as a coaching staff department not having a midweek game having a little bit more time to prepare for these games
10: yeah i think it's uh, it was really hectic the start um i love the game so i love competing so i actually really like midweek games i think what this time's given us is um to reflect on those games um the good things and the things we need to improve on and that's why i moved on pretty quickly after bolton it's uh, for sunday uh, and then the early part monday and tuesday we had to really or the coaching staff had to yeah, our work is to improve each area of the team and um, I think that's it, what this time gives us. I hope we're, we've got four games on a Saturday Saturday. I hope by the end of that there's areas of our team that uh, there's a big improvement.
0: Interest to see how that one will go so just enough time to take a look at League 2 and very similar to League 1 all the games taking place Saturday the 26th of August at 3 o'clock we open it with AFC Wimbledon versus Forest Green Rovers, third top versus third bottom, Forest Green definitely struggling to life uh, in League 2 following their relegation last year plenty of ins and outs there but they'll hopefully rely on the likes of Troy Deeney to get some of the goals that we know he's more than capable of doing at EFL level. AFC Wimbledon started very well, and that's been largely down to a few former Glovers that they've got on the wings in the form of James Tilly and Josh Neufill. AFC Barrow taking on a relatively low, well I say local, It not really, but in the grand scheme of things of how everything is far away from Barrow, one of the closest sides they will play this year are Wrexham. Now Wrexham of course have had plenty talked about them and we won't give them any more treatment or more preferential treatment on the EFL review than any other club in League 2 because basically everyone else is doing it. Uh, 6th placed Barrow taking on 15th placed Wrexham. Of course Wrexham have scored 13 goals the most in the league this year but they've also conceded the most with 13 as well. So much so it's even prompted of goalkeeper Ben Foster into retirement. Bradford City taking on Crew. Bradford have not started with the pace that they would have usually expected, given the money that they've spent and the manager that they have in charge. They currently find themselves in 18th. Crew very much mid-table, plodding along, doing very well, just like they did last year where they finished 13th. I think another mid-table uh, season for Crew isn't entirely out of the question. Gillingham, top of the table, and the only team not yet to drop any points in League 2, will be taking on bottom of the table, Colchester United. Someone's form's got to turn around there. Let's see whose it is. Harrogate Town versus Morecambe. They're a really important game, I think, come towards the end of the season. Both teams will, uh, well, Morecambe definitely starting very, very well, given that they're huge problems off the field. There's talk that there wasn't enough money to pay the wages last year, uh, last month, and therefore have got a suspended points uh, deduction from the EFL. So it could spend massive problems for them. Currently find themselves in the final playoff spot in seventh. Harrogate Town started the season very, very well and have unfortunately not picked up the wins quite as they would have liked. In the last couple of weeks and they currently find themselves in 21st. To hear from next let's listen to Morecambe boss Derek Adams.
11: Derek great to see you, um, the Bradford win obviously was was great for you, I, I know you enjoyed that, that win um, but what have you taken from this start to the season that has only
12: brought positivity if that makes sense? Yeah I mean we've had a great start to the season and uh, you know as I spoke about before, we were left with six players from last season, we've added to the squad, we've added 14, so um, that's blended in really well. We've got a lot of youth and experience in the side and and we've seen them, you know, take it on. Melon last week gets two goals, he could have got three, he probably, uh, their centre-half could have got sent off because, you know, he had spun them late on in the game and got past them, uh, JJ got a goal as well and it's important that we get goals from all over the side and uh, last Saturday uh, it uh, it really went well. Do you feel
11: optimistic then about the future and, and, and maybe launching a promotion push? I know it's very early
12: days but yeah. do you feel you've got assembled a good team? Yeah well we've got 20 players at this moment in time, other teams have got 25-30 players so It'll tell how we can get through the early stages in the season. Then can we strengthen uh, again come January. Uh, but uh, at this moment in time, we've still got space for two more players to come in uh, to the squad. And uh, we've you know assembled uh, a very good group at this moment in time. And we're sitting where we're sitting. Um, we've had difficult games to start the season with. A lot of teams that uh, are promotion uh, contenders and... We go to Harrogate on Saturday. Another team that uh, you know spent well uh, over the, the summer period.
11: After the Bradford game, you said that um, pundits looking in don't have a, a view of the workings of the football club and a, a, and a naive. Could, can you expand on that and what you meant?
12: Yeah, I mean they, they, they don't look at the players that we've taken in. They, they probably haven't looked at um, the car- caliber of players that we've able to take in loan or uh, permanently. They don't know how we coach. They don't know how we work from day to day, um, and that's just the, the nature of the business, you know. And uh, because it's it's Morecambe, uh, if it was a team that uh, had twenty odd thousand uh, supporters and uh, had been in the Championship of the Premier League uh, beforehand, and uh, they might look at us in a different way. And uh, that's just the nature of the of the business. They put teams up at the top of the table because of the way that they spend money, uh, the way that they. Uh, have you know bigger crowds, but uh, as we have shown in the past when we got promoted out of League Two into League One with the lowest budget in League Two, uh, anything is possible.
11: Do you like proving people wrong, Derek?
12: Yeah, I mean I think that that's always been the case. Um, I think that um, it, throughout life I've always had to prove people wrong. You know, since I was a, a young player, uh, and then going into management it 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 doesn't change and I think everyone's the same you know you've got to prove every day um, how good you are as a, a team a person uh, management staff and uh, that just becomes with a bit of self pride really and uh, I think that any organisation you know would like to to see these attributes Do you teach your players how to have that self pride? Well I Coach them, and I speak with them on a daily basis. And uh, if the standards are not up to it, then you know I let them know that, that that's not the, the correct way to go about it. And uh, I think that has to be the case because society has changed over the the years, and um, many years gone by. Uh, you used to get a punishment if you didn't do things properly nowadays you can't have that and a punishment was probably running or uh, Being in for a, an extra afternoon session or an evening session, but uh, nowadays that's seen as uh, something different
11: What's the punishment now then? A, a, a fine?
12: It, it, well, <laughs> the fun, it, it's it's actually repeating what you haven't done correctly, but doing it better the next time yeah. and uh, so when we do a passing drill or we do a and finish and finishing drill. Um, if it hasn't gone well the first time, I've been along, around a, a number of football clubs and coaches that they just pass by and say on to the next one. But no, we do it again until we get it right. And uh, yes, it might embarrass the players, but um, it, that is the case. Is they haven't performed well enough to start with, and uh, when you do it, exams. You have to get it right, and it's it's the same on the football field. You have to make that 5-yard, 10-yard, 15-yard pass correctly because come a Saturday, you're going to have to do it in front of supporters.
11: Harrogate this weekend, obviously the the away form last season only yielded two away wins, so that's a focus of of improvement, isn't it?
12: Yeah, we need to get back to the form that we had in League 2, and we understand that um, it was a different ball game. In League One last year, it was extremely difficult, and the year before that as well. So, um, we're trying to improve uh, that and get it back to what it was uh, in our League Two days.
11: Harrogate, uh, Simon Weaver, fourteen years in charge of that football club, at some going isn't it? That longest-serving manager in the in the football
12: league. It is, and uh, you know, I think that uh, they, they did well to get promoted, you know, from the National League and lower uh, all the way through up into League Two. And uh, they've taken, you know, one of our players from last season. There's actually I've managed five of their players uh, in their squad uh, over two different clubs. But um, you know, Liam Gibson, we, we couldn't keep last year because we were out bid by Harrogate, you know, to take him. But that's just the nature of, of where we are as a football club and where you know Harrogate are.
0: Final few games for us to cover now then. MK Dons taking on Doncaster Rovers, second place versus second bottom. Very similar to the Gillingham and Colchester United match. That's going to be very, very interesting and very concerning if you're a Doncaster Rovers fan. Newport County taking on Sutton United. Uh, Notts County are taking on Tramier Rovers. Salford have got a relatively local clash in Accrington-Stanley. Swindon Town taking on Crawley. Swindon, of course, uh, we've already discussed parts of tonight, sitting themselves in mid-table. Crawley start the season very, very well, as opposed to what they did last year, and currently find themselves in eighth position. And finally, two teams that we had already covered tonight in the form of Walsall and Grimsby. Walsall finding themselves in 17th, but of course coming off the back of a fairly decent performance, albeit not a win in the Papa John's Trophy. And Grimsby also looking pretty well as well. Best of luck to every team, as always, going into this week's fixtures. So that brings us to the end of a slightly shorter EFL preview. That is always the case, unfortunately, when we have no games to talk about that took place during midweek. We will have plenty more next week as well. And you, of course, will find me here on Three Valleys Radio back on Monday to talk about all the fixtures that have taken place across all three divisions this weekend. Until then, if you're going to watch Yeovil vs. Tunbridge Angels, best of luck to the Glovers and uh, safe travels to those that are going. And uh, until then, have a lovely rest of your weekend. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.